Hey, what's up? My name is Dusty Otis. I am the lead pastor here at The Grove in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you so much for taking part of your day to be a part of this church, to engage in this message, and for supporting our ministry. It means more than you know. None of what we get to do happens without you. I pray that today's message speaks to your heart. I hope that it helps you move forward in your relationship with God, and I hope that you become just a little bit better in following Jesus because you took the time to listen today. Enjoy the message. Finish up the pursuit of purpose today, talking about going in the gift you have or essentially living on purpose. If you're joining me online or us online, thanks so much for being here. You guys are kind of the anchor for us to keep us going, and so I so greatly appreciate you taking part of your morning to be here. For those of us in the room, we had to bear the cold. How cold is it when I was spraying Windex on the doors today to clean them? It was freezing before I could wipe it off. So it's that cold. So if you're here, good on you. You didn't let old man winter keep you in bed. And so uh, this whole series, the last four weeks, we've been talking about the uh, story of Joseph. That's found in Genesis 37 through 54-ish or so. And so Joseph had this dream. He was young and dumb, to be honest with you. He's immature. He told his brothers, pride got a hold of his heart. And and he was pretty braggadocious, and, and they put him in his place as, as having 10, uh, 10 siblings in the house. Uh, they put the, the lowest one where he needed to be, put him, put him in a hole in a well. They ended up pulling him out because one of his older brothers felt bad. They sold him, and, uh, and then 37 years, uh, essentially, sorry, 23 years go by, and his dream comes to fruition. We talk about that today. And so the series foundation we built this whole thing on is not uh, anything that Joseph said, it's really what God said to you in Ephesians 2.10, where he essentially says that there's a purpose for you and that we should walk, we should walk in, and that's what going in purpose is. And so everyone here uh, has a purpose. God wants you to be on purpose. He wants you in that purpose. And so the big idea that this series is built on is everyone ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. 87% of people roaming the earth have no clue why God put them here, which means they're working a plan instead of fulfilling a purpose. And so today, living on purpose, we're going to go in the faith, and we're going to trust God to guide us, right? And so if we're going to find and live with purpose, we must turn from the things that rob us from that direction and get going toward the purpose God has for us. So we know that our character is the foundation for purpose, right? This is kind of the whole deal. That's a weak one thing. Weak character equals small purpose. Great character, strong character, big purpose, right? And so the goal for you is to develop Christ-like character. That's why God sent his son, Jesus. That's why that's why everything has been laid out for you, and he's the one that we follow. If we're going to develop Christ-like character, we need to look to Jesus. And so uh, when you, what you need to know about developing character is that you're a work in progress. I'm a work in progress, so we never arrive. We never get to that place. We are constantly working. Essentially, our potential is going to be greater than our lifespan, and so you have more in you. And to build character, we need to eliminate corruption. To build character, it's probably a bigger point as we jump into this, to build character, we need to eliminate corruption. You find this in 2 Peter, and I'm going to go before and after this verse, but verse 4 is really kind of what it hinges on. And what you need to know is his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who's called us by his own glory and goodness. And verse 4 says, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires to build character, you have to escape corruption. Verse five says, for this reason, make every effort. Effort doesn't cost you a thing, does it, boys? Make every effort, 10 things that don't cost a thing. We spend uh, time weekly talking about those things. Effort's one of them. For, so for that reason, make every effort to add 
to your faith, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and perseverance, godliness, and godliness, mutual affection, which leads to love. For if you possess all these qualities, which you should, if you possess all these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. And that's kind of a tie to last week when we were talking about the difference between efficiency and effectiveness. And so why is it like this? Because God's purpose for you is greater than your intention for yourself. John 15, 14 through 16 says this, you are my friends if you do what I command. Remember, we talked about being obedient last week. Obedience is one of those big things. And so I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's heart. Jesus says, I call you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. Verse 16 is huge. And I think we all need to walk out with this today. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And fruit that lasts means multiplication. It means you're not, it's not just you, it's you sowing into the generation behind you and, and them doing the same thing. That's fruit that lasts, right? And so as we dive into the finale of the pursuit of purpose, there's kind of our anchor. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thanks for opening hands, hearts, eyes, and ears today. Help us to believe, to receive, and to be better because we've heard. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do because we took time to gather today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So what do we see in Joseph's story that confirms our purpose? Because it's really easy to go to these Old Testament stories and go, well, he did that, he did that, and that's, a, and that's amazing. And the Old Testament really allows us to learn a lot, right? What can we learn from his story? How do we know God's purpose for us individually as we look at this? And so Genesis 45, this is the first time in Genesis 45 that Joseph is seeing his brothers since they sold him, okay? And so they travel to Egypt. There's been a famine in the land for two years and they travel there and they need help. They've kind of, kind of got to the end of their rope where they live. And so they've traveled all the way across uh, the country to Egypt and, uh, and they're in great need. And so this is the first time that Joseph is seeing his brothers since they threw him in the well, pulled him out, stole his coat, and sold him as a slave, okay? We're going to pick up in Genesis 45, a little bit of scripture here to start, but it's going to be great context. And so we'll pick up in Genesis 45, verses 3 through 8. If you have a Bible, you're highlighting or, or taking notes, this is where you need to start. Then Joseph, I want you to highlight a few things while we go. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Whoa, does my father still live? But, the, but his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold in Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved. This is huge. In verse five, he tells his brothers, hey, it's all good. Do not be grieved or angry with yourself because you sold me here. If you're underlining, you say this, for God sent me before you, for God sent me before you to preserve your life. In verse six, he says, for these two years of famine, for these two years, the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. In verse 7, he says, and God sent me before you. It's the second time he's saying it. And God sent me, if you want to underline it, you can, before you to prepare a posterity or a remnant to save you some for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. And finally, in verse 8, he says it again. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. God sent me. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. What's unique about this, I think as Joseph is talking to his brothers, it, the dream has come in reality to him. He's actually, it's, he's actually seeing, oh my goodness, 
This is the dream I had 23 years ago. You didn't send me here. Man, you, I, I did have a lot. I did have a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, a lot of, you know, all those things. But as he's saying this to his brothers, but God sent me here. And he says it again, but God sent me here. And he says, don't be angry. Don't be grieved. It's all good. It's not you. God's will, God's purpose was to bring me to this place. And he's actually seeing his dream unfold before him. And so how do you realize that this purpose, what God's purpose, how Joseph kind of got to this, how do you realize that for you? The first thing that you have to do is believe that you have purpose. That's point one if you're taking notes. This is the number one question that everybody has in their heart. Do, do, do I even matter? Is there even a reason, right? What is my purpose? And I want to give you permission today to, to believe that God is responsible for it and responsible enough to carry it until you take a hold of it, until you take a hold of it. And then once you believe and begin to read scriptures, a lot of stuff from last week, you gain a quick understanding of God that regardless of your opinion of him, he is a purposeful God, not a purposeless God. So he doesn't just drop you off like a lifeboat from the love boat and say, good luck. You know, you're on your own. There's purpose in what he's doing. So it's not purposeless. So God did not create one thing on the face of the earth without purpose. We see this in Ecclesiastes chapter three. It says, for everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose, every purpose under heaven. So the trees have purpose. The oceans have a purpose. The moon has purpose. Even the wind that we don't like sometimes has a purpose. God is purposeful and he had purpose for you. He created you with that purpose. You need to understand that you are full of it. So then how do you discover that purpose, right? How you discover it is to look at how God made you. How did God make you? Each of us has been made in, you know, our own unique image, right? God did make us to look like him, but how did God make you? And so discount tires across the street. If I pulled out a tire, I didn't go visit them this week because they've done me wrong a few times in trucks, just, just to be honest, okay? And so, but if I had a tire up here and I, and I just pulled this tire out, let's just say I just pulled out of a bag, you didn't know what it was, and I pulled this tire out, everybody in here would be able to tell me what the tire was. If you look at how it was made, you would know exactly, oh, that's a who cares, and it goes on that car, and it actually helps the car roll down the street, right? If we look at how it's created, we figure out what the purpose is. And so you could say that a toilet is um, maybe you put on the ground and you do some type of agility drills with that tire. Maybe it's made for agility. Maybe I'm supposed to hang that tire on the fence and throw footballs through it or kick soccer balls through it. Maybe that's what that tire is for, right? Maybe the tire is to hide my muffin top. I just walk around. If I put this tire around me and I walk around, nobody will tell that that dad bought rocking, right? And so, and, and all those are great, but you know that the reason that tire was made was to go on a car. And so the purpose of the tire is just that. You have to look at yourself. How were you, how are you made? The point of this is you can see that in the tire, it's not here that you're visualizing, that the designer had purpose in designing it. And when he designed it, he knew exactly what he was making it for, right? So we trust that God has given us a gift. Now, God, the desire, had a, per, had a specific purpose in mind when he made you. So then, knowing, we go that big, long series we were in before the first of the year, knowing that you're three parts whole, right? You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. How do you look in spirit? How do you look in spirit? Because we can all go, well, I need to shave. Like, I haven't shaved my neck this week, so I'm a little embarrassed this morning. I'm not going to lie to you. How do I look in spirit? We can look at our outside and we can figure out the way that we think, not in the physical. How do you look in spirit? You need to identify this. God's called you 
to be a human being, not a human doing. So then you don't identify yourself by all the things that you have or all the things that you've done or accomplishments or plaques on the wall or degrees or any of those things. It's not that. Who did God make you to be? Not what are you doing, right? Because God did not create you to do. He created you to be. So then you have to believe that you have to, that you have a purpose and you have to understand how God made you. And that starts with your heart. It's your spirit. The second point is believe that God is in control. It's a toughie. This is a toughie. So for you to fulfill your purpose, you're going to have to believe that God is in control. Well, wait a second. It's mine though. Yeah, but you were made by your heavenly father, your creator. So if you're going to deal with the disappointments, this is probably the biggest anchor this week, disappointments and setbacks and the people who naysay you and, and love to be screen heroes and all those things, the rumors, the, 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 the sad thing is those people like to start those things and they like to talk, they like to turn their backs on you. But so many people walk away from, from walking with us because we're not doing what they thought we should do. And the reality is in all this, setbacks, regrets, failures, disappointments, crappy people, right? In all of that, you have to believe that God has a purpose for you in your life. And you should see that with Joseph. Regardless, Joseph just continued to keep going. He did not have great circumstance, but he kept going. Whether it be people or circumstance, those things did not leave him lost or set back. He kept moving forward. And that's because he believes that God has a purpose for his life, right? And God is in control. And so if you think about uh, where Joseph, uh, where Joseph's belief is, we're going to go to Genesis 45, verses 5. He tells his anger, he tells his brothers, do not grieve or be angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you. And so that's 23 years. He, he just recapped 23 years in one sentence. Don't grieve or be angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you. God sent me before you. And he realizes, wow, all of that was preparation for this. All of that was preparation for this. So then it's not you, it's, it's him. It's not you, it's God, right? It's not me, it's you. You've heard that before, I'm sure. If you haven't, good for you. I wouldn't have come here by myself, right? J Joseph knows that. He wouldn't, have, he wouldn't have went through all of that all by himself, right? And it had to be the way that God planned it. If you know Point Break, it's got to be this way, right? You're going down. That's it. It had to be this way, right? And so verse 7 he comes back and he says, and God sent me before you to preserve a piece of posterity for you in the earth and to save your life by great deliverance, the dream. Remember that dream I told you about? This is it. This is it, boys. And he doesn't say that. He sent me here to bring great deliverance. So now in verse eight, it was not you who sent me here, but it was God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and throughout the land of Egypt. He's being so nice. I don't know if you ever thought about putting yourself in the place of Joseph. If my brothers just rolled up after 22 years and they had sold me, I'm not sure I would have been as nice as he, right? He's being so nice. These guys sold him to be a slave. By the way, in that moment, he could have welled back up with pride, what we talked about in week one, right? And just been like, no, nah, I don't think you guys, you boys, yeah, all you, yeah, go that way. You can, bring me, you can bring me dad though, right? He could have said, I told you so. He could have said a lot of things, right? But he didn't. Why? In 23 years, he developed a ton of character, right? And a ton of belief. And he knew that he knew that he knew that God had a purpose for his life. And so through all of that, through every moment, from the time he got up out of that well to the point he believed, he knew God is in control. God is in control. 
And the reality in this entire series is this. No one, no one can derail you from your purpose but you. But you. Haters, setbacks, all that stuff. Nobody can derail you but you. And so today, stop believing that you can't walk in your purpose because of what someone else said or did. Stop believing that you can't fulfill your purpose because of something that you did. What you did doesn't limit what God can do, right? He is purposeful, not purposeless. You are still very full of purpose if you have breath in your lungs. And so as long as you have that breath, you have purpose to fulfill. This is confirmed in Romans 8, 28. What I just said, don't let people or things keep you from walking in or living in your purpose. Romans 8, 28 says, and we all know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. So much purpose in this series. And so God has a purpose for your life. And even when things go wrong, he is working for your good. You should be really glad about that. It's hard to think about when you're getting crushed though, right? Paul says we're pressed, we're crushed, but we, all, we are pressed, but not crushed, right? We are persecuted, but we are, we are not kept down. We will not be oppressed. God is always working on your behalf. And so here's the thing. It's real easy in those times to become really pessimistic and be like, oh man, this is the worst of the worst. It's never going to get you worse than that. And here's how you know the difference between, in those moments, when you're walking with people in your life, you'll know the difference between an optimist and a pessimist because this, the pessimist is always the one who, is, who brings out the negative in every situation, right? The pessimist looks at the bad and expects the wrong every time. The optimist believes that God is in control. There is hope, there is faith, there is a belief, Right? And if you've ever been around a, a pessimist, you know, they're the ones who are trying to avoid positive people year round, okay? Those are those people, okay? And a dad joke for you, if your blood type is B negative, that does not mean you have to be a pessimist, okay? And so then perk up. Okay, to live on purpose, you must believe that God has a purpose for you, and you must believe that God is in control. So the third thing you must believe if you're going to live on purpose is believe you have a gift, there's something in you. There's something in me. There's something in us. Believe you have a gift. If you're going to live on purpose, you need to identify the free gift that God has given you. It's called a grace gift, actually, because he has given it to you so that you can fulfill your purpose. And so I want to look at Romans 12, verses 4 through 8. And this is a list of, of what we would call them motivational gifts in church, right? These are natural uh, they're a way that you look at life, and everybody here has one of these. And so I highlighted them. If you're walking with me in the Bible, you can, you can highlight with me. So, for as we have many members in one body, we would call that the church. All members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ, the church, individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, now listen, I'm going to say some churchy words. Hang with me because we're going to break them down. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us, use, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, one of my favorite words, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Those are seven big words that we highlighted there. Now, to simplify those, if you're taking notes, I want you to walk with me. The first one is motivator. Okay, you saw, you saw the gift of, you saw prophecy there. And what prophecy is, is essentially motivation. The person with the gift of prophecy desires to motivate people to get better, to serve 
God. That's why I do what I do. Okay, I love to be a motivator. However, I know that I can only motivate you. This is what changes your life, okay? And so we're going to follow this or we're not. And so then uh, prophecy guys are also good coaches. They're able to get you to go from, from a one to a two. It's, it's amazing. The second thing you see is ministry. That second gift was ministry. And this is servant, right? So to be a servant means we desire to meet the needs of people on a practical basis, right? The third gift you see is teacher. A teacher desires to study and present truths to people. Love this. Now listen, you could have all seven of these. Everybody here has at least one, okay? An encourager desires to admonish and encourage people. That's exhortation, exhortation. A giver does exactly that. He desires to meet the needs of other people, most of the time through financial, through a financial basis. A leader is also an administrator. This person desires to lead people through, an organiza through, through organization, right? And then an empathizer or sympathizer has empathy. This is the gift of mercy. This is the gift of mercy. And these people are the ones who are just going to have a me too moment with you, right? And so notice, every all seven of those gifts that I listed, and I'm sorry, I didn't have a slide for you for that. Um, all seven of those gifts listed in that scripture are all about people. Yeah, there they are. Motivator, servant, teacher, encourager. I can, I can dance back through there with you real quick. Giver, number five, six, leader, and then seven, mercy, empathizer. And so everybody here has at least one of these. And when you think about all seven of these that we just talked about, they're all about people. They're not about things. They have, they're all about people, right? And so this is how they work. In a gathering, what sparks this, if you go to group gatherings, you've been part of a group gathering, you're in a group gathering, and once that gathering starts, one person's name is mentioned. And when that person's name is mentioned, this is when all of the gifts go into action, right? Now, the leader obviously organizes the gathering, okay? And so as soon as the person is brought up inside of our gathering, here's what happens. We say that Jerry needs blank, okay? Oh, Jerry. Now, all of our gifts go into action as believers, as the body. The encourager is the first person to send a text to Jerry. Hey, Jerry, uh, heard what's up? Are you okay? Uh, dude, I'm praying for you. It's going to be all right. The giver starts collecting money. Hey, we're going to start a GoFundMe for Jerry. He's going through this. Everybody pony up. I'm going to give the first hundred. That's the giver. The servant has already left the meeting. They're out buying groceries and they're headed to Jerry's house. Okay, that's the servant. The one with the gift of mercy, the empathizer, has already called twice to share that me too moment, to kind of get down on Jerry's level to let him know, hey, I'm here and I'm going to walk with you. The motivator is already at the house, Right. Telling them that, hey, God in you is greater than anything in the world, right? You're going to overcome. You're going to beat this. And the person with the gift of mercy has kind of shifted over to the corner and is crying and weeping for Jerry, okay? And so how this relates to Joseph, sorry about that, is his gift was leadership. So we see those seven. Let's talk about Joseph's gift really quick. We all love leadership. It's like this hot term that's been happening for the last 10 years, right? Now, we barely scratched the surface of Joseph's story. That's why I've encouraged you to read it every week on your own. But over the last four weeks, we've talked about Joseph's gift and how he just continually kept going in his gift. So wherever he was, he brought life. He led through that moment. He didn't wait until he got to the place of authority to lead. Most of us think we have to do that. Well, when I get that, right? He just did, 
okay? He just did. How's the positive track run on a 72 Nova work? It just does. That's a Joe Dirt reference. You are very welcome, okay? And so he did not wait until he got there. He just did. He just did. And so he led at Potiphar's house. He made it to number two there, okay? He led in prison where he became the chief administrator in that, in that jail. And then to Pharaoh's house where he was the man in charge. Now, too many people are waiting until they get in the position of X to use their gift. Yeah, when I, I know. And you can encourage and challenge and, and push. And the reality is until they believe, they're not going to, right? I will. The reality is the way to get to the position to lead is with your gift. So you have to go in your gift to get there. Joseph is an amazing example of that. He just continually went in his gift. So then you don't need to hide your gift, but you do need to start exactly where you are. If you'll start where you are with your gift, God opens the next door. Think about Joseph. He gets sold and immediately from there, he goes to number two in the house. Then he makes a transition to prison. He goes to prison for he was wrongly accused. He's at the bottom of the barrel. And because he just operated in his gift, he made it to number two in the prison, to where God promoted him to being over Egypt. It's amazing. What did he do? Nothing. He just went with what he had. He operated in his gift. And so I want to give you an example of how uh, this is a human being, one of the, probably one of the greatest presidents our country's ever had. I give you an, uh, an example of somebody who's led our country, who has faced adversity, who's faced setback, who's faced failure. One of the greatest leaders, actually, the number one leadership book that I keep on my desk is, is of this man's life. And so here's, here's what happened. When this man was 24, he lost his job. Later that year, when he was still 24, he was defeated for state legislature. One year later at 25, he failed in business. Two years later, he loses his wife. His wife dies. The next year at 28, he has a nervous breakdown. At 28, having a nervous breakdown. I don't feel bad at all right now. 28, I've done good, okay? Two years later at 30, he's defeated for speaker in the house. A whole five, he's been, so then for five years, he gets nothing. At age 35, he's defeated for nomination for Congress. Five more years later, he loses re-nomination. At 41, he's rejected for land officer. So it's really kind of starting to decline here. At, at 46, five years later, he's defeated for U.S. Senate. I have the gift of leadership, though, so I'm going to keep going. At 48, two years later, he's defeated for nomination for vice president. At age 50, he's again defeated for the U.S. Senate. And at age 52, in 1860, at age 52, he's elected president of the United States. Now, in the span of 28 years, Abraham Lincoln never allowed one setback or one failure or losing his wife to keep him from his purpose. You guys see it? He knew he had the gift of leadership. So I'm just going to keep leading where I'm at. I'm going to keep leading where I'm at. And sometimes people limit you, right? And because he kept on, God put him at the right place at the right time to lead our country through our only civil war, please, Lord. And he was able to right the worst wrong that our country ever did. The timing of his presidency was so important. What if he would have got it earlier? Who would have been the president then? because he could have. It wasn't for lack of trying, right? And for, for you here who've experienced setback, failure, regret, 
loss, all those difficulties, keep going. Keep going. There's purpose in it. And if you just keep going in your gift, God opens the door. God opens the door for the next thing if you will keep operating. That's how God works. Countless times through Joseph's story, we see his gift open the door for what God has next for him. And the obedience sustained his gift is what helped him develop his trust in God. Because he was willing to keep going, he kept growing or building trust with God, which is why he could tell his brothers repeatedly, hey, don't grieve. It's all good. Don't be upset. Don't be angry. It's not your fault. God sent me here, which leads to the fourth belief that we have to have. Believe you have a direction. Believe you have a direction. And it's not the couch, by the way, for all those just who stayed home today, okay? <laughs> so you have a direction. The gift you have is the direction that you are to move in. Huge point. Go in that. Be faithful in that. Oh, well, that's not enough. I'm impatient. Too bad. The gift that you have is the direction that you are to move in. So before direction, what a lot of people want to know is what are the specifics? Abraham wanted to know the specifics. I'm sure if Joseph would have known the specifics, it probably wouldn't have turned out as great, right? Everybody wants to know the, the specifics of the purpose. The reality is you're never going to know the specifics until after you do them, right? The truth and the hard part is what limits people is trusting their direction to go in the gift that they have. Remember, no one, no one can derail you from your purpose but you. And we would say, but I want it, and I want it now. It's that brat from Willy Wonka, right? Veronica, I think her name was, okay? But I want it, and I want it now, right? Whoa, just go in what you have. Just go in what you have. God is purposeful, and he leads with great intention. He leads with great intention, which means he doesn't lead in leaps. Everybody would like to go from here to there. We want to fast pass everything. And, and culture has set it up for you to think that way, that everything works right now. If I want a coffee at Starbucks, I hit this button on my phone, and by the time I get there, it's ready for me. I don't have to wait. I don't have to have eye contact with anybody. I can just get in and go, right? Everything is fast past today. God leads in steps. Those steps happen one after another. When Jesus roamed the earth, you know how he roamed it? He walked. You know how he walked? One foot after the other. There was no hopscotch. There was no leapfrog. There's none of that. It was one foot right after the other all the time. Here's why you trust this. It's Psalms 119. It says, your word, Lord, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Here's what's unique about this scripture. We have these sweet uh, flashlights on our iPhone that will show me discount tire across the street. But the lamp that this is talking about is the lamp that they walked with. Just enough light for you to see your next step, not the whole path. Your word is a lamp to my feet, one. And when I step here, now the next step is lit, two. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So we got to put iPhone technology or, or, you know, technology period out of our mind. We think about the light and how we trust this is what we talked about last week. Hearing, hearing builds faith. We have to get with God. So then the word that is a lamp to your feet is not a spotlight that allows you to see for miles. It only allows you to see your next step. So we're called to be faithful with the next step that we have. You're only ever called to be faithful with what you have. God never asks you to give more than you have. He never asks you to go farther than you can. He always only wants you to walk in the faith that you have. And so the truth is, when we have the specifics, we mess them up because we're human beings, right? We mess them up. Joseph didn't get the specifics. He was just faithful with what he had and the gift that he had. And God continued to open doors because he was faithful. So be, be faithful. Be faithful where you are. And one day you're going to turn around and realize, wow, I've got great influence. Look at me. I'm leading the country. Okay? And if you do, God bless you. Remember me. Okay? I'll close with this. 
When Joseph finally believed, when Joseph finally believed, he understood what God's purpose was for him. And he knew he was going to bring relief to a country in famine. And he did that right where he was with who he was. It didn't take anything extra. I'll give you one last story uh, as we close. This page is taken out of John Wesley's journal. If you don't know who that is, it's okay. He's one of the great men of faith, period, that's ever walked and been a leader or a pastor of anything. He's one of the most influential men in, in the church. He's since passed. This church is a Wesleyan church. This has some meaning today. This is one page from his Bible, or from, I'm sorry, from his journal. Sunday morning, May 5th, I preached in St. Anne's. I was asked not to come back anymore. Dang. That night, couldn't go back to St. Anne's. So it says Sunday, May 5th, Sunday p.m. May 5th. I preached at St. John's. The deacon said, get out and stay out. Must have been a tough week. But Sunday, May 12th, because he couldn't go to St. Anne's or St. Jude's or St. John's, he spoke at St. Jude's and he wrote, can't go back there either. That Sunday night, he preached at St. George's. He was kicked out again. One week later, Sunday morning, May 19th, says, I preached at somebody else, at St. Somebody Else's and the deacons called a special meeting and said, I can't return to their church, which would have been enough for me. But that night he decided to preach again. So Sunday, May 19th, I preached on the street. They kicked me off that street. One week later, Sunday, May 26th, I preached in a meadow. I got chased out of the meadow as a bull was turned loose during the service. Dang. Now that rocked him pretty good because he didn't preach that night. He must have been tired. Okay. May 26th, preached in a meadow, got chased out of a meadow because they turned a bull loose. So he takes the 26th evening off. Sunday morning, June 2nd, I preached on the edge of town. I was kicked off the highway. Still didn't rock him. That Sunday night, just a few hours later, so Sunday p.m. June 2nd, I preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came to hear the word. Setback, 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 failure, disappointment, setback. Took a break, setback, setback, the 11th time the 11th time, because he continued to go in his gift. That's what persistence does. That's what persistence does. I don't know about you, I would have quit. I would have quit way into that. I think I would have. I don't know, I keep going now, so maybe not, right? And so what a great story of persistence. He could have quit, but he didn't. And so I wanna recap with you really quickly. One, believe you have a purpose. If you're gonna live in your purpose, you have to believe you have that purpose. Believe God's in control. He's gonna carry it until you do. Believe that you have a gift. We talked about seven of them. You all have at least one. You might have all seven. And believe you have direction. The direction is that gift. It's that gift. God has a specific purpose for your life, okay? Find your gift, be faithful, forget the setbacks, and simply walk in who you are. Simply walk in who you are. The reason that me and Heather can do this is because we believe it's nothing we're ever going to do. That God's going to take and use who we are to make a difference. That I can line up and, and run any play and work any plan. But the fruit of what's going to happen is because of who we are. It's how we choose to live and lead our lives. It's how we choose to live and, and raise our family. That's it. Simply walk in the gifting that you have, and you're going to find yourself in that purpose, which means you're pursuing it. You're pursuing it. Thank you so much for joining us today. It means more than you know to have you with us. And to all of you who partner with us and support the mission of our church, thank you. We cannot be the church 
without you. Go ahead and click the link in the description to partner with us now, or you can visit thegrovefc.com forward slash partner. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take a minute to like and subscribe. And if you know someone who would benefit from hearing this message, share it with them. This is how the gospel goes forward. Thanks again for being here today. God bless you.